What's going on, T-Squad? It's your boy, Demetrius, and we are back for the last episode of Reality. Okay, I can't believe that we are actually on our last episode. And today's episode, as you guys know, our episodes are after song titles, and we are talking about WAPs. No, we're not talking about that kind of WAP, but we know that all these women have amazing WAPs, I'm sure. But we are going to be talking about how women are powerful in the stance of WAPs. So I want our two fantastic guests, even though I'm graced with our fantastic co-hosts, Carmelo and Dee, but we have two guests, Ariel and Teresa, and I would love for them to introduce themselves and who they are and what they do, where you're from, you know, all the good tea. Okay, I'll go first. My name is Ariel. I'm from Mobile. I'm, I'll be 29 next month in June. I'm a cancer. I work for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers as a program analyst. Um, my hobbies, things I like to do. I like to travel. I, I'm an artist. I love to paint. I love to draw. And I love to watch murder mystery documentaries on Netflix. <laughs> um, hey, I'm Teresa. Um, I am born and raised in Chicago. I did go to school in Mobile and I work for, I'm the senior assistant director of admissions at Spring Hill in Mobile. Uh, I'm an Aquarius, so I love cancers, and I love to sing and act. Um, I also love murder mysteries. I'm big into podcasts. Hint, love that. Um, and I also love uh, a lot of like murder documentaries, you know, mysteries. Um, and also, fun fact for y'all, um, <laughs> you knows this, but um, I went to the dentist today. And my entire left face or uh, side of my face is numb right now. So really excited for this journey for all you guys. Well, I can't tell that your face is numb. I know, right? <laughs> you look you look great. Huh? To you, Ariel. Yes, I appreciate it. To you, Ariel, I thought you were like 22. So no. <laughs> I'm almost 30. <laughs> That's well, all Thank you. <laughs> You're almost 30. I'm almost 30. <laughs> Right, right. You know, Aria actually went to Murphy too. Then she graduated in 2011. 2010. 2010. You know, it's yeah. funny because I was looking at you. I was like, for some reason, she looks so familiar. <laughs> Fun fact, Aria's my cousin. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So as I mentioned earlier, we are talking about how women are powerful. So I wanted you guys to pretty much talk about how you know, being Teresa, you know, Teresa, you are Caucasian, correct? Or mixed? I am. No, I'm white, but um, okay. I'm Italian. So I get dark and I have been asked literally since the day I was born if mm -hmm. I've been mixed. So, yep. Okay. <laughs> happens all the time. <laughs> so Teresa and, you know, like everybody else, you know, African-American women. So I wanted you guys to kind of like basically talk about like being how a woman is now and today from the past and just how like, you know, uh, other races can collab with African-American women and just basically like, you know, LGBT community with Didi and like body positivity with Ariel. So I kind of want to just, you know, and like I said, I may be kind of quiet today, pretty much, you know, here and there, but I wanted to kind of start off with, you know, Teresa, how does it feel, you know, being, um Italian or Caucasian or what or, you know what have you you know being a woman and you know how does that you know from what you may know about African-American women how does that differ for you and like your lifestyle upbringing and stuff so it's funny because I went to like I've always gone to Catholic school my entire life 
And I remember when I got to Spring Hill, I was talking to one of my friends and I was raised like I'm an only child. I was raised by my parents. They said, if you like someone, if you vibe with someone, they're your friend, like doesn't matter what they look like. So like my best friend growing up was Costa Rican. You know, it never that never differed in any way. But I remember getting to Spring Hill and they said, how old were you when you had your first black teacher? And I was like, okay, so I'm 18 years old and I've literally had one teacher that was even a person of color. And it was my senior year of high school, Miss Hooper. I'll never forget. But it's just so crazy because my upbringing was very, um, like, though I was raised to be friends with anyone and, you know, be in a diverse background, it just didn't happen because of the schools that I went to. Now, my high school was a private Catholic school and it was kind of diverse. I think the school, like so many, like PWIs, they use the students of color to make it look like they are, you know, more diverse than they are. And then all of a sudden you see the ads and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then you get there, you're like, why, why does everybody look like me? So, um, you know, I think I was, I was raised in the right way to not, um, not think about my entire friend group being white, but then in the end, it just kind of happened. And once I got to college, that all completely changed. I mean, I loved Mobile. I miss Mobile a lot. And Mobile is not like the rest of Alabama, as y'all are familiar with. (laughs) But but, um, yeah, what'd you say? I said, absolutely. Oh my gosh. But, you know, I think um, as I get older, um, and just with you know, everything going on, especially, you know, today is the one year mark of George Floyd's passing. And there's so much that's happened that has opened my eyes to show that when I was younger, I was so young and I was so immature about just being like, oh, everything's fine. Like, everything's fine. I'm great. Like, everything's normal. And then I look back at my childhood. I'm like, oh, I was just like a young naive kid. So I hope that answers your question, but it's, it's just, you know, growing up and realizing and like moving back to Chicago, I even realized that like, I grew up in a white part of Chicago, you know, Irish Catholic. And, um, I dye my hair to look more like the people that live in my area. So it's, it's been very interesting, um, growing up and realizing that I was really naive and I was really young and that, um, you know, I will raise my kids the same way I was raised, but I will definitely do, uh, do my due diligence to make sure that my kids go to a school where they're not sheltered. So. So, um, if you don't mind me asking, you know, Mm -hmm. if, you know, do you have a lot of black friends or Latino friends, you know, just people of color, like women, women of color friends? I mean, I would say yes. I hope that my friends listen to this. They're like, yeah, you can say that. <laughs> but yeah, I would say yes. I would say that, you know, it's been a blessing working in um, my office because we have had uh, a lot of Black women come through the office. Now, I will say um, a majority of those women are now gone, um, but I have kept up with them. And I do. Yeah, I do have a lot of Black friends. I have a lot of friends of color as well. Um, no. But I will say, like, my friend group is still predominantly white. 
Okay. So just, you know, based on conversations with your women of color friends um, and looking at your own experience, has your, have you, have you noticed any like, okay, how am I phrasing this? (laughs) Has being a woman impacted your life in a way that you notice and had, and is your experience different from your friends who are of color, women of color? Um, Oh my gosh. Yes. 100%. You know, it's really interesting because, um, this will segue into the question, but, um, which is funny because my dad's in the other room, but he, I, like I said, I went to a school that was primarily Irish Catholic growing up. And he said that I used to come home and I would cry because I had like dark hair. I've always had a lot. I'm like, you know, like a hairy kid, you know, I'm Italian. I'm over it now. Like, you know, growing up, it was a really big issue, but I was always like, why do I not look like the kids that I go to school with? Why do I get made fun of for being hairy? Why, you know, why I just want to shave my arms. I want to dye my hair, which I've done all of it now. So, you know, it's so funny because I look back at that and it is nothing compared to like what my friends have gone through. Nothing. Like the fact that I was upset that my hair was dark and that's something I can change that like I can shave my arms I can dye my hair that's all things that I can change and you know I've I've talked to some of my friends because I think now as we get older too we're having a lot more serious conversations I don't know if y'all are like doing that too but you know we always have fun conversations too but we're having a lot more deep conversations and they've even said like you know that that's great that you are now acknowledging what happened to you growing up but like we can't change that there's nothing like we can't change the way that we look you know so I think I just am realizing how lucky you know kids are so mean (laughs) growing up and I'm so lucky that I did not get it worse. And, you know, talking to my friends about what happened to them growing up or what, you know, they're still going through. I'm just realizing that, you know, not, not that everybody has their own story, but there, there's a lot worse that I could have gone through. And I am hearing it from others and hearing about, you know, my friends asking their other friends, like, not to touch their weaves or not to touch their wigs. And then people still do it. Or they say, you know, like, please don't, please don't touch my skin or, you know, and people just don't respect them. And so, you know, it's so interesting to think about there's, it's nothing compared to, you know, what they went through, but being a woman, I think everybody kind of sees that women are put on, for some people, women are put on this pedestal and they're seen as people that need to not complain about what's going on through their day. They need to be hardworking, but also they need to be fit and they also need to eat well and they need to make enough money so that their significant other or their families can eat well, but then they can't complain when they're tired and the apartment or house needs to stay clean. And, you know, I think on that level, still like my friend's get it worse than I do. And I just think that, you know, my, my friends are always put even on a higher pedestal and it's not, it's not fair. You know, everybody is a human being going through something and that's what's so 
it's just so difficult and it's it's so it's so hard and like I said going to school in Alabama was was rough to to talk to my friends from college about it all yeah question I want to kind of uh you had said something about you know um you're going through things when you're younger and stuff. So I want to kind of like mm-hmm. ask Carmela and Didi and Ariel, like Ariel, you're very fair skinned, light skinned. And, you know, Didi and Carmela, you're brown skinned. How does that, you know, growing up, like I know a lot of people are like when they grow up, oh, I don't want to be like, I'm too dark and stuff like that. So was that something that you experienced when you're growing up as a woman too? Like how men can be like, oh, I want a light skinned woman or, you know, sometimes a white woman. How did that make y'all feel, you know, Aria being light skinned and Didi Carmela being brown skinned? Um, well, <laughs> I will say that it's impossible to not notice as a young black girl who doesn't have fair skin and who doesn't have hair down here. Um, it's impossible to notice how people prefer you know, women who look like Ariel. And by people, I mean specifically black men <laughs> because I have not faced, <laughs> I have not faced any sort of colorism from men of other races and backgrounds. Uh, as a matter of fact, I find in my experience that white men tend to love my skin and my hair, but I've gotten a lot of black. <laughs> what? I said, oh, we know. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I've gotten a lot of plaque from Black men, and it really shaped a lot of my identity growing up because, you know, you you don't have to be much older than seven years old to notice mm-hmm. the women in the music videos look absolutely nothing like you. Um, mm-hmm. Even the Black women in magazines and in media in general look closer to Halle Berry than they do me or Viola Davis, you know. So there's all these different types of divisions. Um, I think when I was younger, I used to wish that I did have lighter skin because I felt like it would get me more favor from black men. But I do sometimes feel like black men have a tendency to put black women in an impossible situation. Um, It's like, I mean, whether you're fair skinned, brown skinned or dark skinned, you have to be this, you, you just have to shoulder burdens for men that they can't shoulder on their own. And I don't think that's a specific to black women thing. I think that's like a all women thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, worldwide, like I think that women are just put in this position to carry the weight of Mm -hmm. everything. And it's always been so accepted that all the man has to do is bring home money and that's it. And that's not enough. Are you? I would say, yes, I've experienced that. Um, I once dated a guy, I changed my hair. I cut it and I dyed it lighter. He was like, why would you do that? My ideal woman is a light, a light-skinned woman with long black hair. And I was like, what? Like, it was the wildest thing I had ever heard in my life. And that right there kind of like opened my eyes to how Black men view Black women and the desirability politics around Black women. And um, Charilla made the point of how you look at magazines, music videos, what you see on TV, it's always love interests. You don't see, you know, a dark-skinned woman being the love interest or the main character in anything, sadly. Um, I would say for, for me, like I met light skin and 
people will argue with me like you're not even that light skin you're just brown skin like it's crazy how there's so much division within the black community when it comes to skin tones um and then to some people I'm considered like fair complected I'm just like okay well am I not black enough and <laughs> like sometimes I, I want Growing up, I did kind of battle with that, like, am I not Black enough? I even had a friend who once told me, I didn't like you at first because I thought she was one of those stuck-up, light-skinned Black girls. Like, I this is, growing up, this is what I dealt with. <laughs> so, honestly, you know, it, it's been a struggle with me, too. Um, I don't think I experienced, like... I experienced, I don't think I experienced colorism. I think, I don't know. I really, I kind of go back and forth with it. It's like, do I experience colorism or do I experience racism? I, I don't know. Well, it's just. I think that colorism is multifaceted. Some people benefit yeah. from it. Some people get hurt from it, but it's still colorism. Yeah. So I agree. Well, personally, um, I don't know. I, I feel it kind of the same way. I don't know if I ever experienced it before for a friend. It's not something that I ever struggled with. Like I never saw myself being like a young girl, like, oh, I'm too dark or anything like that. Um <laughs> I've never when it comes well, I don't I don't date men, so um I really what? don't know. I don't know, you know what I'm saying? I really don't know because LGBTQ um, community then, like you know, how does it being like yeah. A dark skinned woman and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, I never experienced nobody just saying like, "Oh, I like light skinned women," or like, like you know, what I'm saying not dating me because I'm dark skinned. Like, you get what I'm saying? Um, so I really, I mean, I know it exists. Like, you know, just like she was saying, like, "Oh, um, they'll say I'm stuck up because I'm light skinned and stuff like that." I used to be that girl, like, "Girl, I don't date light skinned girls because they, <laughs> <laughs> you know." <laughs> You know, so of course it exists, but I don't know. I never, I never been like, oh, I'm too dark or wanted to change anything about myself. Honestly, like I didn't grow up, you know, around people who, I guess, oh, you too black or whatever like that. Well, so I want to ask you a quick question. Being uh, LGBTQ, like you know, how are you like fan? Are you amazed by how much? publicity like gay women lesbian women get on like tv like you know it's so gl glamorized and glorified like people love seeing two women kiss or stuff like that from back in the day when it was like very taboo and like how gay men is still very taboo so how yeah. does that make you feel like from now to then how gay women are being portrayed um i feel like it's being fetishized like i don't think like mm -hmm. people are actually like watching it like oh you know what i'm saying yeah, they fetishize me. Like it's a game to most people. It's a game to most people. But you know, it's women that that play around with women too. Like for that reason, because they fetishize it so much. So you got these women who, yeah. oh, you know, I mess around with a woman, or they not necessarily gay, or you know, anything like that. They probably mm -hmm. will always date a man. What they want to call it, hetero romantic, is the word I seen on TikTok. Yeah. But um, that's that 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 isn't a thing. <laughs> and when, like, you know, what'd you say? 
have any I was gonna say the other ladies experience with women are you I like to say a psychedite (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means but (laughs) I will say that um now I've never experimented with a woman I am very heterosexual unfortunately (laughs) um But I will say that I've seen lots of women play around with other women, uh, other women who are actually lesbians and who are very proud to be lesbians and they play around with them. They may date them for a few months, but they're always going to marry the man. You know, like I've met lots of women like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's the word that they was using on TikTok, heteroromantic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, no uh, I'll, like I'll, I'll mess with women, but um, I'm going to marry a man, which to me, you're bisexual. You're, you're sexually attracted mm-hmm. to you're bisexual you're just gonna marry a man like that you know let's not try to create any time for it i do have a question for you dd you know being a woman who is who has more masculine energy than feminine energy um i'm just curious about how misogyny and feminism is talked about in the lgbtq community i do know that gay men who exhibit more masculine traits than feminine traits have a much easier time than gay mm-hmm. men who are very feminine. And mm-hmm. that demonization of feminine traits is a huge topic of feminism. So like, does that ever affect you at all? Um, I mean, probably with men, if anything, men, like men are intimidated or some, like have something against women with masculine energy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like you could just be going somewhere like a man gonna mug you or they gonna, they gonna try to talk to a woman that's with you or like things like that. I see it the most with men. Like, I don't know, like they just don't seem to like masculine presenting women. I don't know what it is, man. I think it's- They feel threatened. Yeah, yeah, like I really feel like, that's like, that's what I said, like they intimidated us on because I'm mm-hmm. gonna be looking your way. Like I'm not even a lesbian and I get men being intimidated because I have masculine energy too. I'm pretty 50-50. Yeah. Like I'm not leaning too much in one direction, but I've experienced men not really appreciating how straightforward I am or how confrontational I am. So but yeah, as far as like with women and stuff like that, um, you know, I, I mentioned this on previous episodes and stuff like that. I'm, I'm very feminine. I'm very in tune with my feminine side. Like I'm a woman at the end of the day, but a lot of women um, in the LGBT community, when they, when they <laughs> encounter a masculine presenting female, it's like almost like they act like their femininity don't exist or something like it just null and void or something like just because I'm masculine presenting presenting is the 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 key the key word because at the end of the day I'm a woman <laughs> that goes along with uh, the hetero romantic thing right like, right you right, know, right. You to act just like a man like exactly like a man exactly and they, that's that's crazy I feel like <laughs> that's just like Demetrius said psychedelic like y'all ain't really do y'all like women or do y'all right. like men <laughs> well, Ari, you're in a very healthy relationship and I know that uh Carmela had or Teresa actually mentioned earlier about like money and stuff being uh made more you know do you feel like you make more than your guy and like do you feel like you're intimidating your guy too even though you are feminine but the intimidation can also go with not just because of looks but like you know financial things stuff like that do you feel like you intimidate your guy too uh, no, absolutely not. Um, actually, 
what he brings home with working and overtime, he makes more than me. <laughs> so there is no, um, as far as like money factor, no, um, nothing like that. So he doesn't yeah. feel intimidated. And I don't, even if I, when I did make more than him, he never display any type of he never felt less than or anything like that and I never made him feel that way collectively how do y'all feel about women being the breadwinners now and like you know having good jobs like a lot of I know a lot of women in relationships are like nurses doctors and stuff like that and they dating guys who probably still work at Walmart or work at you know like a footlocker or something like that not like a regular regular job mm-hmm. when you're not as established as their girl does that make you feel like does that make if you're that woman? Does that make you feel like a certain way, or do you want your guy to be the breadwinner or equal equal? I, um, I would say for me, um, as long as he's employed somewhere and he wants to go to work, that is okay with me. That's what I was about to say. A lot of people exactly. are not employed by choice, and that mm-hmm. bothers me. So <laughs> as long as he's employed somewhere in the, the the society that we're living in now, it works for me. It mm-hmm. works for me. <laughs> and if he's not employed, if he is actively searching, that will make all the difference. Yeah. But yeah. he's just sitting at home on the couch doing nothing while I go to work. No, that's not going to work. Good luck, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. When you said that, I immediately thought of somebody that I know. And <laughs> <laughs> he, he, um, he claims that he's he's like too busy to find a job, but he's always traveling and his girlfriend oh. buys plane tickets. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> but I will say that the concept of breadwinner, I think died with the sixties or it should have. Like yeah. that extremely I, yeah. outdated like concept who, I mean, what does that even mean breadwinner? So like only one person is allowed to feed the family and like contribute. Mm-hmm. That is so right. that was the lifestyle in the literally looking at film right now, like the best like the 50s. The guy had he's an engineer providing for the family. That was what it was supposed to be. Like that that was supposed to be that what it was. They were forced into that. Women literally could not own their own bank account or get their own credit card. Like you had to have a breadwinner or else everybody would starve. (laughs) They literally did not have pockets made onto dresses so that they had to travel with a man so that a man would carry their belongings. That's why pockets didn't exist. Like, that's yeah. Still to this day, women pockets be shallow. <laughs> exactly. So you have to, you have to go with a man. <laughs> That's so crazy. Yeah. But I don't know. Like I love, like I love money. I like to make money. There's a big chance mm-hmm. that whenever I am in a relationship, I'm probably gonna be making more money than him, and that's gonna have to be okay. Mm-hmm. Even with yeah. you, Didi, like you know, and you know, I know you're the more masculine, so do you feel like you have mm-hmm. to make more money, or do you want it to be equal? I think we talked about this. Well, I know yeah, we, we did. We have. Um, personally, it needs to be equal. Um, I mean, not, I mean, if I'm the breadwinner, that's fine. If she is, that's fine. But a lot of women in the LGBT community, they do look for their masculine presenting. They stood, they, whatever you want to call them, they do want them to be the breadwinner, which is outdated like first and foremost we're not men so that's where you try to go but and then at the end of the day this is a team like a relationship is a team effort this is not one person trying to do everything or like you looking for that person and why would you even be looking for a person to even do that in the first place <laughs> like you know what i'm saying and i don't know 
you know, money mm-hmm. is power. So we're talking about women. Yeah. Are, money is power. And so I wouldn't want anybody to have power over me. You know, right, right, right. I feel like that's what that's what goes along with being in those super traditional relationships, like mm-hmm. grown women age who get allowances from their husband. Mm-hmm. And that's just the type of power that I'm just not willing to get away, give away. Like I have to have my own stash somewhere. And I think that it started in like the 70s, women working and having careers and going to school. And I just think that the female race has just been getting more and more and more and more powerful. And I really think that men are having a hard time keeping up. Speaking of power, do you feel like, Teresa, do you feel like it's more white women in power? Or do you feel like it's more people, women? Oh Oh my God, no. I mean, I think like women are starting to become in those positions and it is, but it's so much more, it's so many more white women. Like, and it's so funny because I, um, you know, I am meeting more women in power as, this is probably so bad to say, but I'm, I'm interviewing for new jobs, um, new places potentially. And um, like, yes, I'm very excited that the women that, uh, like the positions that I am interviewing in, they are um, women in the leadership positions, but they are white women. And um, one of the women is uh, like a director of, diversity and inclusion and as a white woman. So, you know, I think they are, um, you know, places are trying, it's, it's getting there, but it is, you know, nowhere where we need to be. And uh, it's so, it's like comical to me. You know what I mean? Like how are you, that's another, that's another topic, but yes, there are way more women, white women and power. And um, I think, what I really admire is, and I think Carmela brought her up, but Viola Davis, uh, one of her favorite quotes that I ever heard, I'm obsessed with her, but someone called her the black Meryl Streep. And she was like, why can I not just be Viola Davis? Like why, you know? So I think that celebrities are using their power to like take this leadership in the right direction but still I have friends that are in leadership positions that they'll be like oh my god you remind me so much of so and so you're like why do I need to remind you of someone like it doesn't need to I don't need to remind you of like a powerful white woman like I am also in the same position like hello so I think you know like I said it's a step in the right direction where women don't have like don't have to carry purses anymore because our pockets are getting deeper but at the same time we have so we have so much further to go I was gonna say um how as speech in in you guys profession how many women are actually in your like place of work all right yeah actually Didi and Ariel that's a good question because I've actually Didi we've actually how many women are in your you know because I know you do logistics and it's like a man Oh, so how many women women are in your position? Um, let's see. I'm trying to give y'all an accurate number because I can honestly just picture how many women in the office. Uh, it's probably actually, but IGSM is actually a woman. She's a white woman, but she is a woman, which is you know women in logistics. But it's probably about I say about five women in the office out of, in our whole office. 
So it's not a lot of women in logistics. And even like within our company, they have like a women in logistics group just because we, our group is so small. Like it's, it's definitely a man, like a man's dominated field. Um, and even like the traditions within the job, like they'll like, anytime something big's happened, they pass out beers and stuff like that. Like, you know, like it's sports, like basketball hoops in the office and ping pong tables and like golf. Like, you know, like it's literally nothing but men's stuff. <laughs> so they literally have to have like a side group, like, oh, women's in logistics where well, we can have our wine and, you know, <laughs> like, so it's crazy, but. Well, why do they feel like I gotta have give you wine though? Like you can like basketball. And- right, it is it's funny like, though, because whenever we have our happy hours, it's just beer. Like you can't get anything else but beer but just for the women sometimes they be like oh well you can get wine <laughs> men, men like, wine too, they just hide it and yeah, I love beer loves wine. <laughs> and I love right. beer I'm one of the only right. women I know that loves exactly. to drink just like <laughs> yeah honestly most of the women is like that though. that's the crazy part like most of the women in that field they they out drinking the men so <laughs> honestly <laughs> What about you, Ariel? How many people were, how many women work with you? I would say it's about 40 women and about 20 men in my office alone. So there are much more women than there are men, but a lot of men are in charge uh, or hold like higher positions than the women do. It's like that where I work too. Um, like we have about 28 people that work in my company. And all of the owners are men. Yeah. And there are two women directors and lots of women that work there, but the people who own the place make the most money, those are the men. Wow. So like, why do y'all think that is? Do y'all think that women are de- deliberately being kept out of these positions of power and especially women of color or? Oh, I know, I just want to answer that question before y'all start. <laughs> y'all may drag me, but I every job that I've had, I've only been the only male only male and it's always been women and women has been like the supervisors and manager complete shit show i'm not even <laughs> like it has been and they've been black women and i'm telling you like and I've, I've, I've had one white woman that was a supervisor smooth like it was no yeah. nothing like she literally was like you did your work today yeah okay cool like it was <laughs> and they let her go they let her go because she had no type of like she wasn't uh, a hound dog like she wasn't on your back but the black women they micromanage they over you like they're rude they think they the excuse my language but they made this some bad bitches like it's crazy mm-hmm. it's crazy and i'm like and i'm about to start my new job on june 1st as a nurse and like i'm gonna be the only male again only male again with all women <laughs> well i will say you're in the field of nursing it's very female dominated i was about to say that it is yeah. <laughs> So, you know, in response to what you were saying, like some tyrannical ass women leaders, I, I think, and you know, girls, you know, disagree with me if I'm wrong, but I think it's fair mm-hmm. to say that when it comes to some women, particularly women of a certain generation, there is the need or they feel the need to overcompensate for being a woman in leadership. So, mm-hmm. you know, a great example of this is Hillary Clinton. Uh, not to bring up politics, it's not about politics, even though I think she would have made a fantastic president, but 
Hillary comes from a generation where in order to be taken seriously as a woman, you have to wear pantsuits exclusively. No skirts, mm -hmm. no dresses, because skirts and dresses are synonymous with weakness. Um, no heels that are too high, no, no too much makeup, no red lips, none of that. And so she comes from that generation of women where you had to pretend to be a man in order to be taken seriously as a woman. And I think that part of going into the future and part of understanding that women are just as powerful as men sometimes in different ways is the freedom to be a woman and still be a leader. Like the freedom to be feminine and still be a leader. So like with what you're talking about, Demetrius, like a lot of the, the, the female supervisors and things are just extremely just overbearing and micromanaging. I do think that that is overcompensation. Mm -hmm. okay. And why do you feel like that? You know, why can't um, there's also like, you know, why can't it be a what's the word I'm looking for? A calm environment, I guess. Like, I just feel like, you know, anytime I've been in those situations, it's just been so I don't know, I wouldn't say negative, but it's like up and down. Very up and down. Like some days say what now? Yeah, oppressive a good word for that kind of but not even towards me like i'm the i'm the person that they all like but it's like the women battle each other all day long and it's just kind of like you know one, one day it's like they're all gravy it's all good then the next day it's like so much tension and it's just kind of like why is that i think that a big part of it is that we were all directly or indirectly taught to undervalue feminine traits including other women and women have been pitted against each other since the beginning of time. And so like, I mean, you can think of almost any rom-com or any romantic movie from the past 40 years and find at least one instance where girls were trashing other girls and throwing other, uh, other girls under the bus for a boy. Perfect example is Mean Girls actually, now that I mention it, like, <laughs> She literally, well, she didn't throw her in front of the bus, but it's, it's a great example of how she literally destroyed Regina George just to get the dude. Like mm -hmm. she brought down a whole clique of women just for this one dude. Come to find out he's gay in real life. So that's irony. I was about to say that. <laughs> I was about to say that. But I think that we've been taught in so many different ways to despise the feminine, the feminine traits. You throw like a girl, you run like a bitch, you know, like things like that some of the worst insults you can throw at someone is really just calling them a woman. And mm -hmm. so it makes sense that women would eventually learn to suppress feminine traits, to despise feminine traits. Oh, I'm not like other girls. Oh, I hate the color pink. Oh, I'm not one of those silly girls that gets my nails done. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with getting your nails done or loving the color pink. But we were taught that there was. And so women being pitted against other women, that's just a natural consequence of living in a patriarchal society <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say something though um just going back to what you were saying Demetrius like do you think that like um a lot of times I guess you were saying like there's a lot of men in like leadership positions and stuff like that like Carmela said at her job I do think that women is like hell from those positions sometimes like the glass ceiling does exist I feel like for women um 
And I think that overcompensate, I think that that's where overcompensating comes from because a lot of the times we got to be overqualified. We got to work extra hard. We always got to look good. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, men can come in the office shirt until, like, you know, we got to look good, hair done, like, you know, dress nice. We got to talk well. We can't have an attitude because then we, we moody. Like, you know what I'm saying? We, we a lot of times do got to overcompensate. We got to go the extra mile to get in those positions. Whereas I feel like a lot of times men can do the bare minimum. And I want to interject uh, and say, that if you if you present as too feminine, if your body is just very bam bam, and you right. just so happen to be born, you know, with an hourglass figure, that yeah. can be used against you. You can be told that you're too revealing. Yeah, just because it's, it's it's also been so interesting, like working in um, like a business casual or like business workplace, and even seeing like some of my black coworkers that will come in like with their hair natural because they have a couple days until their next like hair appointment. And like, I work with all male bosses and they'll say something like, oh, are you okay? Like, are you sick or something? And it's like, if I were to wear my hair in a ponytail or a bun on the top of my head with no makeup on because I went to a bar the night before, no one would say anything to me as long as I didn't smell like alcohol. But it's like, it's so different the way that, and I know this isn't every office, but you know, it's so different the way that like some offices and even, you know, I've worked in the restaurant business. I've worked, I've had a ton of jobs, but even just the way that like white natural hair versus like my black coworkers, if they were to wear their natural hair, just the way that leadership looks at that and sees it as professional versus unprofessional. Um, and also talking about like women in leadership, um, I saw a statistic somewhere because as I've been applying to jobs, there are a lot of positions that I think that I am not qualified for. And one of my friends works in HR and she said, you would be shocked at how many men are not qualified for the job, but they apply anyways. Yeah. So, you know, realistically for those leadership positions, be, there are more men in the positions because there are more men applying. Now that doesn't mean that the men are more qualified for the position, but it's because they have the gall to apply. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women just think that they won't have the time or they won't be able to give all of the energy to the position and men are like I don't care um also like statistically if a man is in a leadership position he is more likely to promote another man from beneath him right. so that is true you know, going off of what you just said like I actually saw I don't know if it was the exact same statistic but I read something just like that about if there's like 10 qualifications for the job most women won't apply if they don't meet all 10, but most men, if they meet just five, they're mm -hmm. still gonna apply. Oh, yeah. That's like a symptom of a much deeper issue because men have a lot of unearned confidence. A lot of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can be the dumpiest, frumpiest, most ancient dude, and they will really genuinely feel like they are God's gift to earth. And I think mm -hmm. when you- <laughs> We're not, not talking about you. you. We're not talking about you. <laughs> Well, I think that if you think about it, if women are undervalued, that means men are overvalued. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, you know, feminine traits are completely undervalued, which is why most people don't know how to communicate. But then masculine traits are completely overvalued. So you have a lot of hyper aggressive assholes walking around and it's completely acceptable 
because it's like, uh, you know, you're a grown man who doesn't know how to manage his emotions. That's fine. And I think that being like ma the male energy being overvalued is why men have so much unearned confidence. Also think about those, like those positions, like the front desk or the operations. They're always run by someone who's more maternal. Like it's always by our front desk. It's always a woman that is like, they're going to be sweet, make everybody feel welcome, make sure that, you know, when you come in, it's a safe environment. And it's like, yes, men make me feel uncomfortable, but not all of them. Like, you know, and it's just so, it's so funny to me that there are these positions that have now been seen as, you know, oh, they need to be taken by like the Miss Honey type, like from Matilda, you know, they, they need to make sure that everybody feels good and they bring baked goods in, which I'm not complaining, but you know, there's, there are those areas that, you know, those women that have those positions, they may have started there from the ground up, but then they get stuck because they're not seen as people that are deserving of leadership positions when ultimately they are. Uh -huh. I do want <clears throat> to piggyback off of Carmela's earlier comment about, um, it was about how women can have like their bodies and stuff like that. So I know like a big part of you, Ariel, was like, you know, your weight loss journey, your weight loss surgery. So like, did you feel like you needed that to help with your body positivity? Did you feel like you um, did that because of social media, like women having those natural curvy or not natural, having those curvy bodies and stuff like that? And like, just yeah. looking a certain way, like, did you feel like you need to do that as a woman to like compete or like, what was your process with that? As a woman to compete with desirability, the thing, you know, the hourglass bulk curves. No, for me, it was strictly about health. Um, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure and pre-diabetes. And for me, I didn't want to live with that for the rest of my life. I didn't want to be on medications for it for the rest of my life. So ultimately, I, uh, my doctors and I decided that this would be the best route for me to get the weight off because I was literally dying. So um, it's been eight months since I've had the surgery and I'm almost hundred pounds down and I don't regret it. It was the best decision I ever made for myself. I encourage anybody who's struggling with weight and want to lose weight, if this is something that they would want to do, I highly encourage it. Um, I'm open to talk about it anytime. But as far as like being body positive, I feel like on social media, the body positive like movement has gotten far away from the origins of it. And it's like such a, I don't know, I'd say it's pretty toxic because it just is. following like bloggers and influencers that are, you know, a part of the BOPO community. And if they decide to go on a weight loss journey, they get ripped apart for it because they're like, People are mm -hmm. like, oh, you were never body positive. You know, how could you be body positive and you're losing weight? And it's kind of like, it's about a journey within yourself. So you can still love yourself and lose weight and be body positive. You don't have to fit in a certain group to just be, is just be exclusive to them because that's not what body positivity is about so for me I would consider myself still a body positive person because I still love myself you know I love myself when I was 300 pounds and I love myself 
now. So it, it doesn't change for me. I'm going to always consider myself a body positive person. Now, whether people attack me for it or come at me for taking the easy way out, then that's their opinion. But I did what I had to do for myself. So and I was, was going to say about that with the people attacking you. Have you had that, you know, people like saying like you didn't lose weight the natural way or anything like that? Because, you know, you see men all the time in the gym, buff, ripped, and, you know, mm-hmm. that's clearly not me. But, you know, you mm-hmm. doing how what you did, <laughs> like, do you feel like people are saying, like, to you, or have you had that experience? Like, well, you didn't lose it the right way, so it's really not, it's really not that serious to them. Fortunately for me, I have not. Like, the response that I have received has been positive. I have yet to encounter someone to say that to me. Now, I have gotten comments that people say, well, oh, that surgery, but, you know, some people gain their weight back. Well, I'm, you know, that's, that's them. That doesn't mean that's necessarily going to be me. You know, I do, I do every now and then I do get a comment like that, but I just, you know, I ignore it because, you know, everybody's journey is different and I did what I had to do for me. So thankfully, well, I'm working from home because of, you know, the panoramic, but yeah. um, I'm sure at work, somebody probably would have said that to me you know just because you know how people can be because weight weight loss is I don't know why but it's such like a touchy subject and I don't know it's just like weird (laughs) I haven't I haven't experienced that yet I hope I don't but if that if I do I'd be happy to educate them you know on why I did it and why weight loss surgery is a great tool because that's what it is it's just a tool it doesn't help me you know go work out (laughs) it doesn't fix a food addiction it doesn't it doesn't do any of that like I have to still put the work in and to me the surgery was the easy part because the rest of it it's hard it's very hard Mm -hmm. to me weight loss surgery is the hardest way out of when you're trying to lose weight um I have a question for you Ariel you know you being Mm -hmm. a body positive person um I don't follow you on social media but I'm sure you probably post about it a lot um so weight loss the Weight loss journey is one thing, mm-hmm. but there are those people that give women all kinds of crap for getting their body done just for vanity, you know? Yeah. And like, um, like there's this account on Instagram called complex that I follow. And literally anytime they post a photo of Kylie Jenner, like she could be in a bikini on the beach and somebody would say, that's way too much plastic in the ocean, you know, like <laughs> something like that, mm-hmm. like, how do you feel, what would you say to people who bash women for getting their body done just because they want to, they want to look good and they want to feel good because they look good? Like, what would you respond to that with? I feel like, I feel like it's their body, their choice. You know, if you want to get your body done, cause you just want to stand in the mirror and look at yourself and admire yourself, then go for it. Like you, you get one life. If that's what you want to do, do it and to those people who constantly like shame people like Kylie Jenner for you know obviously getting their bodies done their face done they were in them before you know Kylie was bullied before for her face and her features so she felt like like she had to do that in order to compete in this society where you know full of lips and the black aesthetics are desired by men and just you know she felt like she had to do that to compete with her sisters so 
I feel I feel bad for people who feel like they have to do that. But and I hate seeing I hate seeing it online. Like they just talk about they try and even now the comment is, oh, a natural woman, we love seeing natural bodies. But ten years ago, y'all were not desiring natural bodies. Y'all desired, you know, the Coke bottle shape. And that's why these women felt like they had to go out and get this silicone injected into their butts and get their backs and sides shaved off to have this body type that y'all wanted. And now, now it's, oh, well, we want, you know, we want to see stretch marks. We want to see the cellulite. We want natural bodies, more of this and less of this. So it's, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. Like, right. that and they see, I'm sorry, um, that we want to see natural bodies. Do y'all think that mm-hmm. that's actually an evolution or just a trend? Well, the trend. <laughs> I think I think that everything is a trend, mm-hmm. and it's really funny because I am obsessed with TikTok. I don't know if y'all are. I am obsessed. Like, if I I can't go to bed without watching like minimum 30 minutes of TikTok a night. And, you know, it's so funny that like yoga pants are coming back or the fact that people are like, oh, well, I, I found this dress in my mom's closet and it's a dress from 2003 that we would have gotten bullied for wearing or gauchos and crocs are back. Like, tell me these things. They just come back. And my mom doesn't throw a lot of clothes away. And I always used to be like, I don't like that. She said, history will repeat itself. And now I'm wearing my mom's clothes, you know? So it's so interesting. I know. It's so interesting because I look back at the time where everybody had the pencil thin eyebrows and where you wanted to be really, really thin and they didn't want you could have a butt they didn't want you to have boobs nothing it was like stick thin and then later it started where you wanted to have huge butt huge boobs the really thick eyebrows which was so frustrating after I'd like shaved my eyebrows to be like I can be like you you know and now I'm like it's taken me like five years to grow these back so it's just frustrating but everything is a trend I mean I don't know what's going to be next but I have a feeling that um, while, like, I agree 1000% that body positivity is becoming toxic. And there was a trend for a while where, like, veganism was not for the environment, it was for like health reasons. And then it wasn't done the right way. And people were keto. Like, there's so many things that are a trend to make yourself healthier. And I follow a lot of, um, body positivity pages and I used to follow more that I have now unfollowed because they have gotten toxic um but it does it is a shame one of my favorite pages you know she has decided to start running again and start losing the weight that she gained during the pandemic and she has followers that will write on her stuff you know shame on you you were supposed to help us with like fat positivity and she said like I, I still am but I got to a point where the doctor told me I need to lose weight so it is so frustrating but so interesting to see the way that the world acts um and I think a lot of it is generational like a lot of it is seeing the way that your parents were treated seeing the way that even your older siblings were treated um but I think everything is a trend I think you know 
clothing style makeup makeup is coming back like 90s makeup is coming back um so yeah i think everything is a trend but i think if we can stick to how we all act right now about loving every type of body it could stick in that um as children are born and as children get older they realize that the way that they look is beautiful because i have a lot of issues from just like what was said in the household growing up and it's not you know it's not my mom's fault but it was just internalized hate from the generations above so i think we as um a generation could really help the children growing up below us yeah well i do agree that it is a trend um and also i mean it's a certain type of natural body that people like you know mm-hmm. what i mean like you you be saying people you know you watch tiktok like you'll see you'll see people on tiktok or a bigger woman on tiktok and they'll be bashing her and then the next woman who just got a little bit of stomach and she got some thighs and now, now they want to praise her you know what i'm saying it's a certain mm-hmm. type of natural body that they like even lizzo Lizzo body is beautiful. I love Lizzo's body, but men be bashing her. Do you hear me? Like, they be like, they don't want to see her in a bikini. Oh, they hate it. They hate, mm-hmm. they be bothered. Do you hear me? They be bothered by her. And it's just like, even, even then, you know, they like natural bodies and stuff like that. But every time you see a bigger woman and, and something revealing is a problem. Mm-hmm. I thought y'all liked natural bodies. Why you want to see it? <laughs> you know, like, I thought we was body positivity out here. Why, why she can't show her body now? You know? Mm-hmm. So it, it's all a front. Like, come on now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I had another thought, but I can't remember now. I think a lot of it also <laughs> has to do with genetics, 100%. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there, there, are, there are men that fetishize these women that have natural bodies and like eat whatever they want. They like them because they'll go out for a classic beer and burger and they still look natural. And they'll be like, well, you know, it, it, it stinks because I love Lizzo because she uses her platform the right way. You know, she did the juice cleanse a couple of weeks ago and got hate for it because people were trying to tell her that she was losing weight in this unhealthy way and all these like, therapists are coming for her and she said don't you know I'm still using my platform the right way I I did it for myself I worked with a medical professional and there are these the only reason I don't like TikTok is there are these young children that are on the platform asking these these older women that are genetically you know their metabolism is extremely fast they have very long torsos which is really popular right now you know and they'll say like how can I look like you and they're like well I walk five miles a day and that's all I have to do so you know I think it really is all front like men fetishize the women that can look like a real woman but also can eat like they do and then but they don't want they don't want to watch you start gaining weight you know they want to treat you to that meal but if you start to if you start to see the meal on them, they're like, all right, let's take that back. Um, so yeah, I think I think a front is definitely a good word to use for it. I believe but, that it's an actual evolution when we do away with the term plus size. I hate yes. the term plus size. That, like, oh my God, it makes me scratch my face off. Like I used to work in retail <laughs> and I would work in these little eensy beatsy stores 
And the largest size they have is an extra large, but it's like an Asian extra large, like a Chinese extra large. So it's really <laughs> like a medium. And like, I just, you know, just walking through random store, JCPenney or Belk, okay? Like these big name department stores. There are completely different clothes in the plus size section for women yes. than there are in the whatever other size for, for women. But then you go to the men's section and they've got sizes all the way up to like 20 something. But for some reason they feel the need to separate women based on size. Right. When they could just as easily make the exact same outfit in a larger size or two. And so until bigger women start getting the same nod from these fashion companies as smaller women, I'm, I'm gonna think it's a trend too. How was how was shopping for you, Ariel? Like pre like pre surgery and post surgery, like you know, like going off of what Carmela said, was shopping hard for you in the beginning? What is it like for you now? I would say pre surgery, I could not wait until something went on sale because pre surgery, I was an eighteen twenty or two x three x, and if I saw it in my size, it would literally be one on the rack. I would have to buy it. I could not wait until there was a sale because if I did it wouldn't be there when I went back so that or either shopping online I shopped online a lot when I was um larger that was like my saving grace um and really I got hit to shopping online was by following plus size bloggers on Instagram and they would share stuff and they'd be like oh look I got this from ASOS or I got this from pretty little thing and that's how and even forever 21 between like 2014 and 2015 forever 21 like their plus size section they had a decent line and I stayed in forever 21 and it was affordable and I think now fashion is moving towards being sustainable you know not like fast fashion like fashion nova but it's like okay you have no choice but to shop those places because you want to be fashionable too mm -hmm. like the skinny people and that's just a whole that like that's a whole nother topic for another day but even mm -hmm. now just losing the weight shopping in store is much easier because I have much more to choose from um I'm shopping straight sizes so there, there are a lot more sizes now than I was when I was um bigger so it's it's gotten to be easier but I still shop online because there's just nothing in the stores right now there really isn't but because I just I love shopping online I just I don't like to sometimes I don't like to deal with the crowds I don't like to deal with people's the sales associates I'd rather just have it delivered to my house it's like Christmas every day when I get a package <laughs> in the mail so that makes me happy but I will say it would it would be a challenge like when stores like Forever 21 would start to phase out their plus size section. So it's like, okay, I can't, if I have something come up, I can't run out to the mall and grab something because there's no plus size section. And there was a point when the Forever 21 at the mall is closed now, thank God. They had mm -hmm. phased out their plus size section. It had went from this big side of the store to like this one itty bitty side of the in the back corner of the store. And I remember a girl being in there and she was so upset. She was like, what are y'all doing with the plus size section? She was like, we want to shop too. And I was like, thank you. Cause ask the questions because 
Why are we confined mm-hmm. to this back of the store? Like it's something to be ashamed of. They right. got the whole, skinny people got the whole entire store, <laughs> and we're at the back corner where it's all dusty, barely any sizes left. And hey, they really do plus size women wrong when it comes to clothing in the retail <laughs> stores. They really do do them wrong. Wait, is they so closed the Forever Twenty One in Mobile. Mm-hmm. That's a Bel Air Mall, yeah. Yeah, they did. <laughs> the Miller Mall can't keep nothing. Oh, um, shoes and food, okay? <laughs> That's all we got. <laughs> so I want to pose a question, and I think it will be like a good wrap-up question. Collectively, how do you feel like that? How do you, what do you think that women should do to get into like, um, well, first, do you guys think that women are at a battle against each other? And if so, do you think that they can come together as a camaraderie to one day work together and then get into those higher positions? Like, do you feel like women will one day become next president or next things like that too? You know, I know we have Vice President Kamala and, um, you know, that's great, but like, do you think we'll have president, you know? Um, I think that what it's gonna take is for women to stop prioritizing men over women. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I could just like sum it up in one sentence, like I have had girlfriends completely throw me under the bus, Mm -hmm. but cozy up to their boyfriends who cheated on them five times, you know? So I think that what it's going to take is for women to start exercising a little bit more self-love, self-worth, and that'll affect how they treat other women. I think it really depends on as well, like where you are living and where you um like in the united states at least if we're talking just united states for the situation where you exist because i saw a lot of um what carmela just said when i was in alabama and when i was in mobile and um you know we had a lot of people joke but for real go to spring hill for like an mrs degree as they call them And, you know, it, um, it was so interesting to meet people and be like, oh, I'm going to school because we have a good nursing program and I want to find a man that is going to take care of me, blah, blah, blah. Which if you want to do that, do your thing, more power to you. You know, if you want to be a sugar baby, do whatever you want. (laughs) But moving back to Chicago and getting to know my friends, because I lived in Mobile for six years. So I really, you know, didn't see a lot of people up here for a long time and just being in Chicago, which is much more diverse and which is a much bigger city. I realized that in a bigger city like this, women are a lot more supportive. You know, it's women are a lot more understanding. They're a lot more caring. I have friends that I didn't talk to since high school that saw that I'm back and they're like, if you need anything, let me know, put me down as a reference. I'm happy to talk about anything that you need. Now, I'm not saying that I didn't get that in Mobile and that I don't continue to still receive that, but I think that it is such a big picture of um, like North versus South, East Coast versus West Coast. Like there's so much more to the picture. And um, that's why, you know, I had friends from Chicago that said they would never visit me at college because I went to college in Alabama. And, you know, women that said that. Um, so I think it, it, it is a much bigger picture. I believe, I truly believe that Kamala can be our next president. I really do. And, um, 
I think that we are not far away from, you know, as you can see, women in leadership right now, like AOC, she is changing the game. I love oh. her. Oh my God. So, you know, there are women that are changing the game, but I think that, you know, AOC is in New York. Kamala is now in DC. You know, it, it, it's, it's, you see the change. I think this year changed drastically because of Georgia, but you, you saw the change realistically more in Northern states. So I think when the Southern states catch up, there was always a joke that I heard and then I'll, I'll move over, but there's always a joke that I heard that said, um, if the world were to end, the South would still exist for 15 more years because they're yeah. so far behind. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I think it, when, when women from the North that are independent, that have already, you know, desired not to have kids, desired never to get married, can accept and love and be loved by women in the South that get married and have children at 18, 19 years old, when they can coexist is when women will be able to all pick each other up. I agree. And I, you know, I don't mean to interject. I just will say, I agree with you. And you're completely right. Living in Alabama my whole life, most girls down here get married and knocked up as soon as humanly possible. Like it, they do not wait at all. Literally mm -hmm. graduate, become a nurse, boom. Literally. Or whatever, graduate, <laughs> boom, pregnant. Married. They, I mean, yeah. even if they're not a nurse, they stay wearing scrubs. I don't know what jobs these are. <laughs> they always got on some scrubs. <laughs> exactly. A whole medical mm -hmm. system of pregnant and married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah, I was just gonna agree with Carmela with prioritizing men because I was actually gonna mention that when we were wrapping up the whole body positivity conversation that men's opinion don't matter. Cause I just noticed that we was just, you know, referencing like, oh man, you know, do you think that they like natural bodies? Or you know what I'm saying? We we don't care. <laughs> at the end of the day, we, you know, at the end of the day, a man, a man's opinion does not matter. And even when Carmela was like, oh, they plastic at the beach or something I, I bet it was a man mm -hmm. and, and a woman because. business because her body ain't got nothing to do with you and what she do with her body is her business and her business only okay it was so, a man that's so funny you called that it's always yeah, it on her. <laughs> yeah, yeah cause they always do women business you know and, <laughs> and I remember they was talking about that on Twitter too because some man was like uh, it was like a tweet this man was like, oh, you know, y'all getting all this surgery and we actually like natural bodies. And somebody was like, babe, we're not doing this for you. Why did you think that? You know, I would have used to think that we're going to go get our body done for you. Like, it's our body. Like, you ain't worried about what you like. If you like a natural body, go get you somebody with a natural body. Simple, you know. <laughs> but um, as far as like just women coming together and stuff like that, I do see a lot of women now. Um, it's getting better. A lot of women do try to like uplift each other and stuff like that. But I think it's in our natural, in our nature to be like catty and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's always going to be, it's always going to be some drama. It's always going to be somebody tearing the other person down or something like that. But I think that's a personal thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Are you? Yeah, I agree. Um, we are headed in the step in the right direction with women being more supportive of other women, um, even in my friend group, the friends, the best friends that I have now, they are the most supportive friends I've ever had my whole life. Uh, we uplift each other. We, we fix each other's crown. Anything we have to do to keep each other uplifted, then we do that. 
But like like she said, there's always going to be some cattiness. There's always going to be one one little bad apple. But I do think mm-hmm. we will get there eventually. And you are seeing more women in leadership roles. Just look at the look at the election, how it went in January. So I will get there eventually. It's not going to happen overnight. And I don't know if it'll happen in our lifetime, but we'll get there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's why I say I think it's a personal thing, too, because when you have a, a woman who's strong and who's empowered within herself, she's not tearing another woman down. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, that's a personal problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also yeah. just want to say before we go, I don't know if y'all have ever watched Sex in the City. I recently <laughs> finished the whole series. I just want to say as as far as shows go with women uplifting their friends even though their friends have different paths and different lives and different wants and goals but the way that they stick together regardless of whatever man comes and goes from their life I love it so mm-hmm. I just recommend everybody watch that <laughs> also I, I can't believe we didn't mention like I just been seeing a lot of talk about the abortion bans lately so, oh, like, no. you know so that I just feel like <laughs> you know <laughs> there's so much we could unpack with this i was gonna wow. say there's so much more we should do a part two next season yeah. oh yeah yeah we could do a part two a next a next yeah season. wow yeah. that's me men and women business again <laughs> <laughs> well that would be a great topic to start off season two but I definitely want to say thank you guys so much for an amazing first season. Carmela and Didi, I absolutely love you both. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Arielle and Teresa, for coming on today. Um, I absolutely love women. I love them all. Every every kind. Everybody knows my favorite show is Real Housewives. So it's great. <laughs> so I absolutely love women. New Jersey, Atlanta, Potomac. Like y'all do fantastic. But I just want to say, Arielle and Teresa, do y'all have anything else to say before we go thank y'all for having me on i have enjoyed this conversation and i loved it (laughs) yeah no thank you guys i uh was definitely very uncomfortable at the beginning because i could i was staring at my face too much but as the numbness left the conversation (laughs) flowed and i loved it so thank y'all yeah peace out guys Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Demetrius. And I want to say thank you guys for always tuning in into reality. I just want to let you guys know that reality always going to come out at the end of the month on the last Friday. And each season is nine episodes. Therefore, each episode will come out in threes. And there will be the first three, the second three, and the last three. And it will always come out at the end of each month. So definitely continue to tune in to your co-hosts, Carmela and Didi. And I, you can follow us on the podcast on Instagram at the official reality podcast and that is the official r-e-a-l-i-t-e-a podcast thank you guys so much and always continue to show peace and love